Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City Limits. Uno, he says, and uh, away we go, we're on air. Um, City Limits, it's the third Wednesday in the month. That means it's housing day, and we've got two housing guests today. You'd be pleased to know. We've this got, is good uh, news. Well, isn't it? What? It's, uh, we've got Howard Morosi from Friends of Public Housing, and we've got a regular guest, April Bragg, coming in from uh, the Housing for the Age Action Group. So we'll be discussing a lot of issues around housing, and there's been so much happening. And we've got uh, our now team. Um, Lynn's here. Lynn, Hello. there you are. Mark's over there. Andy's G'day. over there. I'm over here. And uh, Andy's pressing the buttons and doing wonderful things for us. Housing Day, I thought it worth mentioning. We might even raise this with our guests later, but I thought it worth mentioning. We're pleased to know that bankers and miners have dropped out of the top ranks of, of highest, highest paid CEOs in Australia and property has now gone to the top, so isn't that good? Uh, well, there we go. That's well, a sign of the times. Yeah, yes. So, it's so fine, while yeah. uh, while we're while on the other end of the scale, um, they're passing laws to stop sleep uh, homeless from even sleeping on the streets. So, property moguls are now the highest paid CEOs. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Which means that affordable housing is even further and further out of our reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the. The descent downwards continues, unfortunately. Speaking of uh, Donald Trump and the connections, I think we, uh, during the election campaign, there was a, we might have mentioned a story, I think, that Murdoch and Trump had praised each other and each said how wonderful the other person was. And uh, we all know that Rupert's the most wonderful man. And, He's a lovely man. Uh, what he so cares about is he wants to bring us the news every day. He does. He just loves bringing it to us. Um, well, you'll be pleased to know that uh, Ivanka Trump was a trustee of Grace and Chloe Murdoch's um, money. Um, they're the two kids of Wendy Deng and you know, Rupert's made allowances oh. for them. Um, and they've got, in fact, their allowance is worth about $390 million plus further shares worth more than $2 billion. And Ivanka had, has been the uh, one of the people who is the... Um, who is the uh, trustee of that, and she's a very, very close friend of the Murdochs, in fact. And at one stage, when her and her, when she, her husband and she had, before they got married, had a bit of a split, um, Rupert and Wendy were the ones who intervened and got them back together again. Mm. And the, the the Murdoch and Trump families are very, very close. So that's good to know. Yeah, isn't it's it? a heartwarming story yeah. for the morning, isn't it? That warms should, the coggles in the heart. <laughs> well, that should guarantee further objective reporting by Rupert <laughs> on exactly what's going on. <laughs> so, so, say something while I have a sip of tea, will you? What what should I say? Would you like to say anything? Then? I'm just thinking about this Murdoch Trump mm. connection. I mean, they're both business people, aren't they? And they've done yeah. very well. But apart from that, I'm not quite sure what else they could collaborate on. Oh, mm. a bit of mutual property. Yes, yeah. you rub my back, I'll rub exactly. yours. Yeah. 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 Right. Guarantees a pretty good reporting. They're both both look hang after the one percent, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah. And of course, on the other hand. Um, uh, and I think, you know, I think given the record after he died, we learned about all the other kids and all the mistresses, etc. The name Dick was a very good name for Pratt. But um, the uh, you know, it's come out also that um, Bill Shorten took holidays, in, including Cuba, but Easter Island, Argentina and Cuba, um, flying there with, uh, with Dick. In Dick's private jet, isn't that wonderful? Lovely. I hope he didn't uh, do his carbon footprint calculator that year. Yeah. It would have been well, pretty he, hard. He went to Cuba showing what a good socialist he is, of course, and Dick would have appreciated the socialism there. No, I'm end. sure yeah. he would. Yes, yeah. yes. So that's very good. Well, on the other, other. Sorry, again. I was just saying he's, he's put he's got solar panels on his roof and batteries, and he's flying around in private jets. I mean, a private jet has to be the most extravagant waste of. I mean, <coughs> setting aside everything else that's wrong with that, it's just such an 
extravagant waste of carbon emissions, really, isn't it? You know, if you're going <laughs> to go is. on a jet, the very least share with 300 other people. Some might say the people who fly on them are a complete waste of carbon emissions as well. Well, there is, there is yeah. that, yes. Yeah. yes. Um, but you'll be pleased also to know... Um, that uh, on the other hand, the government savings measures, think we're talking about the rich and how they're all together and enjoying themselves, etc. The major savings measures in this omnibus bill they've brought in, you go through them, um, you phase out family tax benefit. Well, some of that does help, does also go to the rich, but doesn't all go to the rich, for goodness sake. End carbon tax compensation for people. Four-week waiting period before under-25s receive income support. Unemployed people between 22 and 24 and not receive, um, will have to wait an extra month or a year, will not receive the youth allowance, etc. at various times. Abolish the family tax benefits for various people. Uh, pensioners who have spent more, etc., they lose out as well. Um, it's a freeze for three years eligibility for um, thresholds for government payments for some pensioners, cause pen um, cease pensioner education supplement, cease payment of pension supplements after six weeks, temporary overseas, etc., cease education entry payment, um, and extend one-week waiting period for the dole to parenting payments and youth allowance. Now, which bit of that attacks the rich? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Precisely. Well, yeah, yeah, precisely. Well, they're building some new prisons, aren't they? So there will be a place yes. for these people to yes. eventually filter into as petty crime increases. Yeah, I so. was thinking of raising that a bit later as well, but because with our housing people, one, they're talking about mm. this new, uh, the, you know, it's always the western suburbs. I mean, the people at Werribee are complaining. Mm. Um, now, the question is whether they, we need a new prison anyway, of course. We mm. only need them because the bloody, they're, biting, they're biting into the bloody Herald Sun and everyone else's mm. campaign around law and order when in fact figures show crime rates are not increasing anyway mm. uh, but uh, secondly also they're talking about flogging off the Royal Park land which is prime mm. real estate in that spot there and it's right next to where they flogged off what used to be public land in the yeah. park there for the Commonwealth Games Village yeah, which became right. private property um, and now they're going to flog that off to pay for the new prison, but I would have thought if you're going to get rid of it, you use it for something much better than that, like maybe public housing in an ideal spot what? for public oh housing. Oh, my God. Sorry, I just, that was just a casual <laughs> thought I might raise later in the program, but, uh, yeah, there you are. Oh, you're such a radical. Just an idle, <laughs> idle question. What happened to that plan to... Was it to renovate or restore or build, uh, put a lot of money into Ned Kelly's old house? The Victorian uh, government were talking about spending quite a few million on that. Well, they didn't. Pick oh, it sort of went out. There was a story, and then it just seemed to die because there was oh, a lot of. I'm just wondering because that would be the sort of money you'd spend yeah. on much more worthwhile things yeah. than on a former bank robber and yeah. whatever. Well, quite. Yeah. Yeah. And a murderer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there'd be a few real estate agents and, and landlords and things who'd like to do that because they, you know, they're all known robbers and things. Well, <laughs> quite, exactly. <laughs> so, yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Just going along quietly. That's right. Yes. yes. <laughs> keep it under the radar. Now we keep talking about workers being underpaid and caught out and. As we keep pointing out, it's always inadvertent. They get inadvertently underpaid, and etc. And as we've pointed out many times, that you never ever hear of anyone being inadvertently overpaid. But it's no. just, just an accident that it happens to always be under. Um, well, a mob called um, a mob called something Aussie. Um, that's their name, something Aussie, and they're a they're a, they sell Australia bric-a-brac stuff to tourists, etc. And they have they were caught underpaying three workers about a hundred thousand dollars. Isn't that incredible? It's a substantial amount. Um, yeah, shortchanged three workers about thirty thousand each over five years. They they were fined a hundred and one thousand, and the owner was uh, fined twenty thousand. Um, now, this is the bit I found strange. The underpayments continued despite Mr. Can being put on notice by the Fair Work Ombudsman as far back as 2012 and the agency giving him information on his workplace obligations. Um, now, yet the judge in this case said, I did not find his conduct deliberate. It was reckless or careless. Now, I don't know how it can't be deliberate when two or three years after being told about the problem, he was still underpaying workers. Yeah, um, I agree. That's, that doesn't, make, doesn't sense. make sense. No. Yes, and it failed to provide minimum three-hour shifts or adequate meal breaks and didn't pay one employee her annual leave and leave loadings on her termination. 
they were underpaid 91, but this was rectified in December 15. Uh, and she took into account the company cooperator. Well, I would have thought taking three years to get round to paying the correct figure is a it's pretty not interesting way of cooperating. No, yeah. it's, it's not my um, definition of cooperation. Yeah. But just another example, I guess, of... Uh, well, of, exactly. Of yeah. something. And, of course, as we said last week, and we say regularly, it, it only happens because people aren't in unions too much anymore, and if they were in the union, they'd, uh, they'd be getting paid the correct rate yeah, and getting right. it picked I up. I mean, yeah, unions play um, an important role. Yeah. We did raise last week the fact that this the Stevens, the wonderful uh, pro-mining anti-union writer for the Fin Review, said BHP had a strike in Chile it had to have, um, and the strike it has to have. Yeah. Well, it's had it. Well, it's on anyway. It hasn't had it. It's not past tense, but it's on. It's on. It's so, happening. yeah, it's on. And, and there was a fire. Um, one part of, there was a fire broke out at part of the uh, the plant, and the, the company's blaming the union, but the union's denying it. So who knows um, what's going on. Uh, but anyway, that was just uh, a little bit of that. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you'll be pleased to know also, I just thought we should mention the fact that after our, edit, after our utilities and energy program last week, uh, the state governments, in the state oppositions in the, in the Labor-held states which are talking about fairly high renewable targets mm. have said they'll reverse them all when they get in. So. Oh, well, that's good oh, to that's know. Great. That's great. Yeah, because and the state, state opposition here in Victoria said it will, because the, these these renewable targets are killing us in Australia. Yeah. It's yeah. not as if there's a climate emergency. No, that's killing us. So. That's killing us, no. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. <laughs> It's yes. just, uh, I mean, if it wasn't so serious, it would be quite funny. I mean, the image of the, the lump of coal being sort of handed round on just before mm. the, like, the hottest day ever mm. in New South Wales, you know, I mean, the irony of that, you couldn't get a more ironic and, no. and a greater or reflection a more, of where or we're a at. Or more moronic person. Yeah, moronic, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 I just don't understand, I mean, how much scientific evidence does there has to be? This is about ideology, isn't it? It's about mm. ideology. It just goes to show it doesn't matter what evidence there is. If you have an ideology that's so strong, you will ignore it completely. Yeah. And that, and that yeah. is very dangerous. That's the most dangerous thing about humans is that trait. And the Greens this week, when they bought in solar panels and waved them in the house, they were immediately ruled out of order. But you can't <laughs> yes, do that sort of thing in the house. So yeah. they, weren't, they weren't allowed to proceed. But we no. saw Morrison floating around with a bit of coal yeah, for about right. half an hour. Yes. Yeah, there we are. Look, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk to Howard Morosi about something sensible. Okay, oh. and back on the back, and we got Howard Morosi on the line. Howard, how are you? Yeah, Kevin, happy new year to all the thousands right. of listeners out there. Happy new February. Hi, Howard, how are you? <laughs> yeah, Mark, yeah, great to meet you the other day. Yeah, it was good yeah. to meet you too. Finally, after talking to you for so long, I actually saw you in the flesh. Yeah, yes. Mark gave a great speech at our February, February rally as well. Oh, thank you. Yes, it was a great rally, and I strongly recommend that people come along to the next one, which I think is on March the 8th, is it? Yeah, yep. International Actually, Women's Day. Wednesday. Yes. Went midday to 2 p.m. And we had a great um, audience there with the police. We had about 30 police <laughs> lying at the top step. Well, of course, that's yeah. International Women's Day, so I presume you'll have women-only speakers that day, will you? Uh, yeah, we've, we'd like to be in that position, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully women-only police as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just to keep it all, you know. Exactly. Okay. Oh, hi, Helen. Uh, sorry. Hi, hi, Howard. I'm Lynn. Hi, okay. Lynn. Yeah, Howard. I, I presume you've got a few things you want to talk about. So I thought, rather than um, ask you something specific, we would really put you under pressure and say, "What do you want to? What do you want to tell us?" Uh, is that putting me under pressure? Oh, really? Yeah. I like that sort of pressure. Uh, four things. Um, the Turnbull government's announced that it's going to terminate the RUD. Uh, uh, national housing uh, strategy. Um, secondly, talk about the homeless protests that have been going on. Um, thirdly, the Andrews government has now announced its grand plan, or in December it announced its grand plan to, um, in terms of public housing. And fourthly, we've got uh, the Andrews government combining the waiting list for public housing and for social housing. Um, so, look, I'll kick off with the... Um, announcement about uh, from the Turnbull government uh, and you just jump in when you want clarification. Yeah, this, this is an issue that I know April wants to talk about later as well. So yeah, I can on. leave it till yeah. then if you no, like. No, no, go on. Yeah, say, say what you want to say about it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, there was a, actually the only announcement I've seen about it was in the Australian um, newspaper on Friday 
Uh, so they're going to axe the National Housing Affordability Agreement, uh, which was brought in by the Go- Rudd government in 2009. Um, that involved giving $1.5 billion a year in grants to the states uh, for afford- what they call affordable housing. What it's done, it's failed almost every benchmark. Uh, public housing has actually decreased 24,000 since 2007. Um, so it's gone down, public housing. Social housing, on the other hand, has gone up uh, by about 40,000. Um, and uh, they talk about a lot of the um, stock being in an unacceptable state or even uninhabitable. Uh, there's also a promise uh, to decrease homelessness by 7%. It's, it's gone up by 17%. Uh, there's a promise um, to... Um, to reduce rental stress for low-income households by 10%. It's actually gone up 10%. Uh, it's up now up to 42.5%. Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, their solution seems to include another gravy train for the private sector, as you would expect, uh, in terms of government bonds for investors from the private sector to build more housing. And uh, unfortunately, no discussion about you know, genuine public housing as opposed to social housing. Uh, does anyone want to ask any questions or clarify no, about that? Just, just move on because we yeah, will pick it up later with April. If sure. Leave, but yeah, yeah. Um, the homeless protests have been um, happening uh, about the uh, the Melbourne City Council um, plan to ban uh, homeless uh, sleepers in the CBD. Um, there have been a lot happening. Different groups have been doing stuff. Uh, so I just want to thank those groups for doing that. Um, and uh, there's actually a rally coming up um, during the White Night event on Saturday if they want to participate. Um, the organisers, which is a broad uh, coalition, are looking for people to come and bring their sleeping bags and sleep out at White Night um, on Saturday night to show solidarity with the rough sleepers. Um, and uh, we've now actually, um, people like us, uh, the protesters and, uh, and activists have now been uh, given pride of place in the media as being, uh, we're actually professionals, Do you know that, Kevin? Yeah, I, I've seen you, I saw you pick up your paycheck the other day. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually like being called a professional, it's a, it's a bad, I mean, it shows I'm very confident, obviously. Um, but unfortunately, you know, of course, we're being smeared. We're being smeared with, you know, the occasional violence, which we're not actually uh, capable of stopping. Um, and uh, people are getting the wrong idea about protesters, again, unfortunately, and mm. attempting to divide us from the homeless people as well. Um, there was also, just on that, there was also the the usual Murdoch beat-up, but there was also a big double-spread story that lots of the homeless are fake people raising hundreds of dollars a day for their drug habits, etc. Do you want to comment on that sort of, you know, that sort of story? Yeah, well, you know, it's, there might be some people that are getting money for drugs. It's an unfortunate situation. Um, I noticed the, um, the head of Channel 7 was actually accused of... Uh, uh, doing drugs the other day as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, drugs are a problem across whole society. Um, I don't think people are actually choosing to sleep out um, because they want to sleep out. Uh, they're sleeping out because there aren't, there is not um, the appropriate housing for them. Um, I've I've heard lots of stories from homeless people who say that um, they're actually been asked to sleep in rooming houses uh, which are unsafe. Um, and they've been charged two hundred dollars a week, and um, you know who can afford that. So uh, again, we're actually calling on um, the government to allow people to sleep rough if they need to, uh, because of the fact that the government is not giving proper provision um, for housing. But also, it's been pointed out by a number of activists that homeless people, given the, given the situation with housing, homeless people actually do find a lot of solidarity and support when they do sleep out in groups. Um, they feel safe there, they have a community there, they're close to their support services. So that's another reason why we support their right to um, to sleep, sleep out and sleep rough in the CBD. And I often go 
down Flinders Street and I've never found any obstruction from the people sleeping out there and I've actually appreciated the fact that uh, they have to do it and um, you know, I personally I've never had a problem with them and I support their rights and uh, I think it's more a case of um, uh, certain media outlets and the government colluding and now unfortunately with the police as well becoming a political uh, arm of uh, mm. the government instead of doing its upholding the law. And we need uh, to, don't we, need, need to address why they're there in the first place and, yeah. and, and just and provide accommodation for them, for God's sake. Yeah, and yeah, if, like we don't, adi- adi- if we don't, proper we need to be reminded. People need to be reminded there's a problem and, and it's actually the fact that those people are there which has actually put the issue of homeless... Coming home from the market last Saturday, I was sitting on the tram stop in Peel Street and I had this view of the the panorama of the city skyline from there. And there were just, you know, from there you just see nothing but high high rise apartments and office blocks and cranes everywhere. And it just struck me that all that was there, billions of dollars in wealth and apartments. And below it, there's up to two or three hundred people who can't find a room for them. <laughs> it's pretty poignant, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It pretty much sums up the whole situation. And there's it's no, very, it is there's no solution on offer. The there's nothing that's being offered that's going to change that. Well, no. there's all these empty apartments too. Yeah. Everywhere. Plenty yeah. of empty Can't apartments. Can they do something with those? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there should be, Howard, do you think there should be a tax on um, apartments that are left empty, an empty housing or empty apartment tax? Do you think that would make any difference? Oh, I don't see any problem with it, yeah. um, but you know it's not it's not something we see as necessary. The no. government needs to actually get in there and provide the uh, public housing. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you have it's a tax, it's not on... a magic bullet solution by any means at all. No, if you it. have it, even if all those places rented out, doesn't guarantee they're going to be rented out uh, at rents that people can afford, exactly, or that yeah. they're going to be secure. Exactly. Yeah. Will that increase any kind of issues with squatters? Is it increasing that problem? The squatters, yes, yeah, squatters, people just squatting in empty buildings. Is that happen- happening more now? Oh, I'm actually not aware of that. Mm. Uh, I, I can't comment on that. Mm. There is, I know, I know a few people who are squatting, so it definitely goes on. Uh, mm. But I'm not, I don't know the full extent of it um, in Melbourne. It'd be interesting to to know, but I don't, mm. I don't know. I mean, we, look, we did have the um, the occupation of Bendigo Street, which is a form of squat, was you know a public squat. Uh, mm. For a you know purpose of actually putting pressure on the government, as well as actually giving housing to people. Um, but they had to be thrown out. The homeless had to be thrown out of there because the places when they were needed for the needy. Yeah, uh, apparently. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah uh, and the upshot of that was uh, apparently three of the houses in Bendigo. Well, I heard three of the houses in Bendigo Street. Well, there I think were about eight houses there were given to the Salvation Army. Uh, and the rest were sold off on the on the uh, private mm. in the private sector. So, you know, the government didn't have yeah. to do that. We were only talking about five units. They could have easily held onto those for uh, public housing, but they chose not to. And there was no outcry in the concerned media. No, no. Well, they, the only outcry there was that there were homeless people actually squatting there, and that was the most, they were the they were the villains. Yeah, and then they were vilified again because there was some violence. And I should say. People have been blaming the Homeless Persons Union for the violence that happened there, but the Homeless Persons Union, as far as I'm aware, actually tried to stop the violence um, by trying to consult some Indigenous elders uh, and also by calling the police, and the mm. police apparently didn't attend. So again, it seems like the police are actually uh, deliberately avoiding their duty to enforce the law uh, in order to... Um, assist a, what seems to be a collaboration between the government and the mainstream media to um, avoid an issue uh, and impose a, a private... Um, well, basically perpetuate the current uh, inadequate situation when someone's actually got the guts uh, to actually get out there and, and highlight the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, it's, yep. it's a, a smearing tactic. OK, we're going to move on to your third point, I guess. Yep. Uh, Andrew's government has now announced its uh, plan for public housing, which is basically a plan to um, privatise uh, a lot of the land which public housing stands on and to destroy a lot of currently viable public housing units. Um, they claim they're talking about um, uh, 52 sites across Melbourne um, 
which will actually which have actually got walk-ups currently on them, so the low-rise public housing. Uh, they claim they're obsolete or they're too hard, too hard to maintain. Uh, it's pretty hard to maintain something if you're not going to spend money on it. Um, so uh, they're going to destroy a whole lot of... And we believe a lot of the... Uh, or almost all of the public housing units are still viable. We've actually been and seen... Um, a lot of the you can actually just wander down to places like Ascot Vale now. Ascot Vale estate is actually full. It's a very large estate full of walk-ups, uh, with lots of landscaping and nice open space there. So that's uh, we don't have a lot of detail at the moment. The government's announcement was in one, in the form of one advertisement for tenders, uh, and in in one um, article in the Age late last year, um, which is a pretty pathetic effort at. Um, I mean, it's a good effort avoiding avoiding public discussion. Uh, not a very good effort in terms of giving detail or information. Um, so the, what it appears to be is that the plan appears to be that they're going to demolish currently viable walk-ups, um, sell off a large percentage, maybe 75% of the land to um, the, the private sector and then get the private sector to build a small amount of public housing. Mm. There was a figure mentioned of... 100 public housing units um, replacing uh, something like a 1,000 public housing units now. Which has um, happened at other places like Rathdown Street and Kensington anyway, and you know this is just continuing of that policy, really. Yeah, it's the Kensington model, mm. pretty much. Um, so, uh, And the, the places they're destroying are, are generally, I think, three-bedroom houses, and they're going to be replaced by smaller um, houses of one or two bedrooms. So there might be, um, uh, well, there's actually going to be less genuine public housing uh, in relation to the, the uh, houses that are destroyed, and those houses will actually house less people than are currently in there at the moment. Um, so some estates, I think, will probably be flattened. Some of the vacant land will, will be sold off, and uh, the walk, there'll still be um, the high-rise places in in, uh, in estates like uh, Paran, but the walk-ups there look like they're going to be destroyed and replaced mainly by um, either outright private housing. Uh, and we don't know whether the um, the, uh, the government housing is going to be public housing or social housing. Maybe April can give more detail yeah, about that. She's actually on up. the line now. We'll get her in a moment. But um, sure. we'll go to your last point then. Last point, combination of the uh, waiting list. So previously, the waiting list um, for people wanting to go into uh, government-controlled housing was either would either give people a choice to go into uh, public housing or social housing. So the government has actually passed legislation to combine both waiting lists um, and just call everything social housing. So when you see social housing now... Uh, mentioned by the state government of Victoria, it could be either public housing or it could be social housing. Mm -hmm. um, they claim they're actually going to, um, on the forms they issue, they're going to give people a choice, but we're waiting to see what they're going to do about that. But more importantly, doesn't it give... So, I mean, social housing people tend to pick people who are slightly better off, who can they, they feel can pay... So if you look like you might have trouble paying, you don't even get a look in, do you? That's pretty much so what that's, happens. So, um, so you know, that's yeah. one of our objections to social housing, and, um, and doesn't it, does it blur that sort of line now? It does. It does. It means that, that you could be on a waiting list and you're offered social housing. Um, you, you're pretty much sure you're not going to be able to keep it up over the long term, um, or you might go in a... Uh, so you might actually take the, the uh, offer and then find you turfed out because you, the social housing um, people don't like you, whereas if you're in public housing, you'd have the right to stay there. Mm. Just before you go, there are a couple, a couple of more beat-ups in the Herald Sun back in January, <laughs> which I found amazing. Um, housing meth pests, contaminated flats, homes costing thousands, public housing tenants contaminating homes with meth, uh, meth, methamphetamine, whatever it's called, uh, costing the state government hundreds of thousands of dollars. On it goes. And then they find, they actually say there were... There were six properties between 2013 and 2016, which doesn't seem to be exorbitant given the number of people involved. Uh, and then they have another, a week later, ingrates home free, vandals trashing public housing cost us millions. And all they could find were three examples, one at Wodonga, one at Ballarat and one at Stall. Um, do you think these might be beat-ups? The screaming headlines, yeah. yeah, I'd say so. 
Well, I mean, that's the evidence. If that's the evidence, I mean, hopefully people actually read beyond the headline and see that how ridiculous the actual assertion is. But I think some people do, Howard. Some people do. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right, Howard. Look, thanks for that. We'll we'll talk to you again. Cheers, Howard. And I'm I'm going to head off. Yeah, um, I'm going to go off and do last week's podcast now. Right. So, I so will... people have been looking all week for the podcast. About to say, well, I mean, well that's it. right. Uh, yeah. Peep, so <laughs> last week's podcast will be up um, by the end of today, and I'll leave you in Kevin and Lynn's capable hands. Okay, and we'll take a very quick break, and then we'll come back and talk to April Bragg about uh, about housing still. You're listening to Three CR Radio. Bedalo primo bacio che mai dato, bedalo primo bacio che mai dato, no terremoto, no terremoto. No I'm Mauro Durante from Canzoniere Grecanico Salentino. This is 3CR 855 on your IM dial. Please subscribe. The community is important, the spirit of community is the most important thing, so subscribe. Yeah. Okay, on the line, April Bragg. April, have you been listening to what Howard was saying at all? Um, um, well, just just a bit of, bit of say, we, I think last time you were on, we just absolutely assumed everyone knew who you were. Um, <laughs> but April Bragg's from the Housing for the Aged Action Group. She's uh, been working there. She's, made, she's retired five times, I think yeah. it is. Um, yeah. By the way, bad news for you because there was a story that, um, that uh, at the moment with people, people getting older, in fact, uh, it's going to be people getting older and going into retirement are going to be have less and less ability to have their own resources um, in the future. So there's actually more work coming up for you. April, I've got some bad news. <laughs> yeah, no, no surprise for any of us at the, at the moment in this crazy world that we live in. Mm. Um, it's just really despairing, isn't it? It's, um, yeah. So, yep, um, the, the, the tsunami of older people and not just housing but everything else that we need as we, we age... Um, is really going to be unobtainable for um, people that don't have wealth. Yeah, that. Uh, are you still on the line? I, I'm, yeah, I, I mean, at, at the moment, the um, you know, particularly with, we're always advocating to the um, you know federal government about what people can pay for in terms of their ageing needs or you know disability needs, and you know a lot of people, um, particularly rent, well, sorry, renters. Um, often have to make the decision if they're, say, needing um, home and community care services such as home help or assistance with shopping or getting to to appointments, um, that they simply can't afford the fees. Um, And it's not really ever said to them, well, you can negotiate it or, um, you know, they they are expected to pay a fee and they're they're told what the fee is. Um, And then one woman that I was working um, with, she was um, discharged from hospital, had to go on Meals on Wheels, and it was a local council, progressive council, that was providing that. Um, but she defaulted on the on the cost. They eventually cut the meals off and then pursued her for the um, for the meals on wheels fees through a debt collector. God, did they? Yeah. yeah. And and uh, well, this is this is obviously. And this is a woman that was paying about ninety percent of her income in private rental. Oh. So to expect her to pay for medication, utility costs, every everything that we know that's on. Um, you know where people are really struggling, so, mm. and I'm and I'm saying to you that was what the most what would be called the most progressive council we have in this state. Uh, and how uh, the other side of that we need we need better public housing for these people. But Howard was talking about one the state government's announcement that it, mostly its policy is to sell more public housing land and have private developers move yes. in, uh, and secondly, of course, the one you raised also with me about the. Uh, the federal state housing arrangement being changed by uh, Turnbull as well. Yeah, um, and I think, Howard, you did um, uh, mention this, did go through this, but, yeah, shocking news this week. And we all have to be doing something uh, about this to think that the National Affordable um, Housing Agreement, which replaced the Commonwealth State Housing Agreement, which we've had since 1945 in in this country, and it's primarily the agreement that provides capital money um, for building, so traditionally into to public housing, um, for upgrading of public housing, um, as, along with um, particularly now under the affordable agreement, um, funding for homelessness services and homeless support. So to think that at this time when, you know, it's, it, you know that we're, we're saying it's an absolute housing crisis, it's never been as bad as this, um, to think that that money would be removed is, is just... Um, 
Yeah, and and well, what sort of fight back's going to happen? I mean, is, are groups organising to? Or well, do, we, um, do we know much details? You made a general announcement, or has he actually specifically said what's going to happen? Um, I think it was a leak, wasn't it, Howard, to the Australian? Well, Howard's gone off, but um, oh, okay. he, I think he, was, Howard read it in the Australian. Did you get the same yeah, leak? Yeah, we got the, one, the yeah, same, yeah, story, and I think yeah. that it was um, a leak to um, the reporter, Simon Benson, uh, but a, a substantial um, some substantial um, evidence that that, that, that would happen. Um, and I just I just think for an agreement that we it was recognised in 1943 that um, you know Australians actually needed housing and affordable housing and particularly people on on wages and now we have people on benefits and at that time they estimated there was something like a 300,000 shortfall in affordable housing um, and today it's estimated to be 400,000. <laughs> So, and that's and in those days they were just doing the capital funding. They weren't actually funding homelessness services. That came in sort of later in the 80s and 90s in, recogni- in recognition that we did have a homeless problem and we needed to provide the supports. Um, so, and and again, it comes down to the feds are saying, well, we put in all this money, but the stock is decreasing. We've got more homelessness. Um, it's ever expanding, but it's been our argument um, at least now since you know since Brian Howe was the housing minister, federal housing minister, and bought in the social housing program, the government get out of providing and the not-for-profit sector provide. Um, and of course, it's now being said, well. You haven't performed, you can't provide it, but it's always been a flawed model. It was never going to be able to house the nation. Mm. Um, it was, if anything, it was supposed to be a complementary system to public housing um, because it had been so restricted and it was shutting out those low to middle income earners. So in that sense, it, you know, it could have worked as a complementary system, but that's the only system that we're looking at now. Yeah, and indeed, that uh, the Commonwealth State Housing Agreement, the since the Hawke-Keating government and the introduction of neoliberal um, philosophies, that, that's been in decline ever since, really, yes. hasn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, so what, what's actually happening in coordination? Um, so it's organisations like ours, we're bringing our members together, we're putting stuff out to them publicly this week to... Um, to lobby their federal members, but we're also joining in with the the peaks. They're um, they're looking at coordinating something with the the national peaks as well. So, um, but we've all got to go, get out there and um, you know say that this is totally unacceptable. Um, I, before Howard was talking about. Um, I think we were talking about people that, you know, sort of only a small percentage of people that um, were facing homelessness or couldn't access housing. But we all know in our own lives, every day, we, whether it's been our family or our friends or our work colleagues, that someone says about the struggle that they have accessing rental or, you know, it's, it's eating up all of their wages. We know that younger people are particularly on lower wages now. So what, what's the future, particularly if you rip the money out of, out of this? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other issue of the state government's uh, policy, is that I mean, it's not unrelated in any way? Well, that, that's right. I mean, what we've had for, for years because of this system is, is the states responding, saying, well, we can't provide the housing. So, um, and, you know, as we know, their, their proposal has been to, to sell off, not to, to build, because they're saying they're hamstrung about not having the, having the funds. So... One level, we've got them saying, not, you, you're not transparent, you haven't used the funds. Um, and if the funds are there, if they haven't been, been used, well, announce a, announce a federal building program, for goodness sake, which we've talked about before, which could be an economic stimulus package as well um, within the building um, sector. And, and again, stops the boom-bust cycle like you have a 20-, 30-year plan. It's not as if people aren't needing it. If there's 400,000 properties short in the affordable housing um, sector, then, you know, it's a lot of, that's a lot of work for industry. Mm. Lynn, did you have something here? Oh, just uh, hi, April. It's Lynn Drummond. Oh, hi, Lynn. How are you going? Yeah, just uh, a question. I I don't know, it's probably been considered, but um, I went to a a discussion last week by Jan Gale, who's been involved. He's an architect designer and he he sort of tends to transform um, the middle of cities, including Melbourne. And um, he's Danish and he said that the Danish government, and I know some other countries in Europe too, 
have a policy where all their new builds, 25% of them go to low-income earners and they have fixed rentals. I wondered if that's ever been considered by the government or is it possible or just out of their reach financially? Yeah, they do say that here and particularly um, when large tracts of government land in the past, so we're talking about sites like um, Docklands, the William Angles site, um, there's been a number that a percentage has to be, and, and quite a few in the St Kilda area um, because of the housing association there, that um, they have to be set aside. But often that doesn't happen for a whole range of, of reasons and mainly some of those um, that ha- like happened in the Kensington area where there was a, a lower amount of what's known as the affordable, so that 70% of of market rent or the allocation when it looked, when it was thought to impact on people buying into the area um, then that was that was certainly reduced so there's always loopholes and there's no, there's nobody monitoring this either um, when when that type of thing is said can can that be put in place some kind of monitoring system well well again it's about who's in control of um, you know land and building of houses in in this state um developers really have a free hand at this and often it's not about um like in the outer areas they won't um, specify that x amount has to be for affordable housing or low-income people they'll say to developers about putting infrastructure in so often that's how they get around it so we get you know parks and which is all needed but um yeah particularly when it's um government land that they're getting the windfall from um, there's been a plan, there is a plan going ahead in New South Wales to build um, quite an ambitious um, project in Ivanhoe, the suburb of Ivanhoe, which will be having uh, public sector, ha- sorry, private sector housing built next door to yep. public sector housing. That's happened in South Australia and it's quite successful. Yep. Is that possible here? Do you think there's well, going to be has, problems with that? It, ha- it has happened here, um, the Kensington estate, which was a public housing estate, um, total public housing estate. Um, there's a private public mix there, um, and the public housing is managed by the um, not-for-profit company. Um, but what it what it actually meant was that we got um, lower amount. Of, of course, um, we we lost public housing. We also there was um, redesign of particularly the three-bedroom stock because again it was thought that. Um, you know, you had a high-rise that was total three-bedroom stock, so families, um, total family fare, because that's who's eligible for it, that people would be um, deterred from build, um, sorry, from buying in. So they lopped off half of the um, height of the high-rise and reduced the three-bedrooms down to two-bedrooms to get a different demographic. So again, um, in, in public land and, and stock, we're just losing all the time in these kind of developments. Mm. Well, Rathdown Street was another example. And Rathdown Street, sorry, yeah. that's right, Car- um, Kevin, that Carlton um, estate is the most recent one where that, where that's happened. That was a classic example where they said it was going to create this wonderful mix of public and private, yeah. but the developer managed to keep the public well away from the private. Yeah. And, and remember the Port Melbourne um, yes. We've been banging on about Port, Mel- right. Port yes. Melbourne, Lynn, um, with this kind of proposal that, that has been around for quite some time. But in Port Melbourne, um, what they did was that um, they put up a, a huge concrete wall um, on an estate that was once total public housing. It was a public housing estate and, and you know, had a very cohesive community. Um, but they put up a huge brick wall between the private and the public. Mm. And just thinking back to Carlton as well, um, one of the issues that we had in, in the planning of that estate was that they managed to design um, a path and gateway um, that stopped public housing tenants coming into the garden areas. That's yeah, a good idea. And, and, and again, because developers were saying, well, it's just not you know financially viable for us to attract people with um, big money who want to live in Carlton. Well, they might try to eat it. Um, <laughs> I mean, you never know. All Anything pretty, can happen. All pretty appalling. Yeah, I, I mean, you can dress it up however you want, yeah. but you know, there's absolute discrimination. I, I always, I, I'm surprised the 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 high rise on the Strand in Williamstown has survived. I, I imagine developers yes. standing there absolutely drooling at it because yeah. there's actually yeah, prime real been, estate there. Been putting those. Um, I've often wondered why they hadn't been able to pull it off, but but certainly in my time, I, I remember the first week I started working in housing, so we're talking a long time ago, back in the um, early 80s, that um, that uh, that building was um, being eyed off and those discussions were being have, had with different consultative 
um, bodies, particularly the Western Region Housing Council, that we used yeah. to have as, um, you know, a voice for, for the community on housing. But, of course, we um, government completely defunded the, the sector in Victoria. April, on a slightly more positive note, although it's, <laughs> it's very slightly more positive, uh, there was an article this week by a bloke called Robert um, Pradelin, who's a former general manager residential for Fraser's Property Australia, so he's part of the whole property property group. Uh, but he wrote an article, and I'll read this fairly inter alia, but it's a bit long. But I said, Australia, he says, Australia is in the midst of a housing crisis. For those of us who live and work in, our, work in our cities, the level of homelessness we see on the streets serves as the daily reminder of the lack of housing. As Federal Treasurer Morrison said earlier this month, it is all about supply, and he is right. It is that simple. Then he goes on to say, though, uh, there are also two distinct segments of housing supply. Firstly, housing that is created to be purchased by the private sector, investors and owner-occupiers, because they can afford to buy or rent a house or apartment. And the second type is housing that is not economically viable because people cannot afford to rent it. They just don't earn enough money. Historically, governments used to invest in this second area of housing supply because it was uneconomic for the private sector. There has been a minimal net increase in the amount of affordable social public housing, yet the private market has exploded. Both types of housing segments need supply if we're going to put a downward pressure on price, yet only one is being supplied, the private market. The homelessness we see in our streets today is the direct result of a lack of investment in public, social and affordable housing by successive governments over several decades. And the homelessness will get worse, much worse. Many more Australians are just one paycheck away from themselves being fined as homeless. And he goes on on that line and he ends up saying, so in the interim, we all need to continue to show compassion and care for the less fortunate in our society. We must find them shelter, etc., etc. But he's on that line now. In the middle, he does talk about the need for public-private financing and the government coming up with a scheme that allows the private sector to invest and make money out of it. So his answer isn't absolutely great, but he, he makes some interesting points. Yes, yeah, that, that's right. And finally, um, yeah, when you know when the media and um, conservatives are coming out because they, they are looking at homelessness in the face on the streets and saying, yes, this is the answer. But, but also... Um, in saying that, if you recognise that the amount of housing, the where the growth has been, has been at that top end, and people can't afford to live there, then it's purely about the investment returns that people can get. And and again, do you want housing to you know to be an investment commodity, or do you want it to be shelter for people, um, where they can build a build a home? So, there, uh, it's time to stop talking about this and recognise that. Um, you know, that this is what created the problems, particularly over the last 25 years. And then to be thinking, you know, government will rip money out of a housing agreement, the only money that's available to be building housing, um, because the experiment has failed. Mm. It's, it's yeah. just... That's what I, I said in the yeah. beginning. I, I just don't understand um, what... I mean, what's it, what's it coming to? Is there any... I don't know if this has ever they've ever tried to do this here. Probably not. But is there any chance a threshold could be put on rents? Well, again, it's the the investors. Uh, I mean, there's a um, so the um, Consumer Affairs Victoria just finished a review into the Residential Tenancies Act, um, where you know if you want to talk about having affordable rents, then then peg them. But then there's the the huge outcry. Um, from people who have invested saying, you know, uh, we'll all get out of the market if you do this. So it's a, it's it's a, a big circle. industry that holds government to ransom and, you know, government just needs to, to get over it and decide that they, you know, finally agree that there's um, a crisis and have the political um, courage to start building. Mm. I'd, 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 I mean, I'm really tinkering around the edges at all these kind of schemes. And particularly that's what we've been doing over the past 25 years, particularly since Brian Howe became Housing Minister and everybody went over to the UK and said, oh, yes, this is a fantastic way to get out of, you know, our responsibility to our, our citizens. It just hasn't worked. <laughs> yeah, it just it just has to be stopped. But, but of course, Lynn, we um, would agree that rents need to, to be pegged. But as that, um, that report you just read, Kevin, if you actually... Um, do invest money into the public housing system, then and you provide enough of it, then you know the the market does, um, you know the heat does go out of it. So you would see that prices um, would probably um, 
on an Australia that dropped but not increased because that competition is, is there if you want to look at it that way. But but again, um, you know, can you imagine saying to, to people because we're going to put, you know, all this public housing stock in an area or areas so your housing price would go down, particularly if you're a homeowner, it'd be absolute outcry. So, mm. um, yeah, and of course, just to... Well, just to, we're finishing up, but uh, one of the uh, one of the growth areas we've mentioned many times uh, is, of course, the the aged care area, nursing homes and uh, residential villages, etc. Uh, I was fascinated by an ad over the weekend on telly. It must have been during some sporting event, I assume, um, uh, by one of those one of the prominent companies in this area, and they show all these old people, and then they say that these people have uh, done wonderful things yeah. for the country, etc., etc. And in the past. They did all this, and they go on to say that's why we created their brand name, Aged Care, because we owe them. I mean, this—you always tell me these companies are only in it for profit, but obviously they're there, April, because they really care. <laughs> well, try getting in if you don't have any money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I mean, even if you—if you—I mean, even if you do, it's generally your home, isn't it? That's a, that's the biggest asset that most Australians have, mm. and. You know, you need the the price of your home to be paying bed bonds. Um, you know, it's um, it, it is all well, about because the we owe them. I thought they just gave. Do you mean they've actually got to pay? <laughs> well, not only do they pay the the bond, but there's two daily charges as well, which always ends up being about ninety percent of of a person's pension or or income if they're um, a superannuant. But um, most people are, are on pensions and. Uh, it's a fairly shocking thing at that time of your life to be having to work out the financial viability of, of all that. It's it's an absolute nightmare. And again, like public housing, we you know we did away with all our publicly funded nursing homes and went to the um, private sector. Some are not for profit, but most of them are um, you know investments yeah. and funded um, up to a certain percent. Um, uh, you know, beds um, that are, are to be made available. But my experience about those beds are often, you know, they're, they're shared rooms. <laughs> Imagine going through all your life living independently, um, having to then go into residential care and you're in a shared room in a yeah. single bed. Yep. Not good enough. All right. Well, Sorry. That's a, that's a, no, that's a good note to end on my city limits. I'm very <laughs> it, uh, but look, more of this next month, April. But thanks, yeah. thanks for yeah, calling in. I could and, urge uh, everyone to contact, yeah. um, particularly their, their federal members, about uh, about the um, you know um, axing the uh, the agreement. Because if we thought things were bad now, um, that that um, would just, just be just wait. Yeah. yeah. All right. Look, thanks for Thank that. Thank you, and, Kevin. Uh, we're cheering you on. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much. Thanks, okay. April. Bye. April Bye. break there from the Housing with Aged Action Group. And I know we're going to finish up by promoting um, our current uh, subscriber drive as well. But next week we have got that debate, we've promised, between uh, Mark and Sue, Sue um, Bolton from Moreland Council um, about population because they have a slightly different aspect to it. And we're also going to talk briefly next week to a bloke called David Cox who's uh, an expert on recycling and he's involved in some seminars at Bayside Council. So we're going to talk to him about that issue as well. Ooh. So there we are. That's next week's program.